This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ever been to a cheerleading competition? They've got the moves. They've got the style. And now we have a problem. You ripped off those cheers. They've got competition. Do you think a white girl came up with those moves? We're in trouble. podcast where four old millennials talk about the high school and college movies from back in the day when we were high school and college students to find out what made the grade and what should have been held back. Representing the class of 2003, I am your co-host Crooks. Joining me this week and every week, he sings like an angel and drinks like a fish. In the class of 04's own, Big Hearn, David Oscar Hernandez. What up, Dave? Not much, man. Uh, pretty excited to talk about this movie. Uh, I dropped the spirit stick earlier. Don't oh, fuck. Me. We're fucked. Sorry, hey, bro. first episode and we're already cursed. Oh, boo. I'm, I, I just, I'm so sorry. Well, well, I mean, that's good at least, because if you felt good about it, I'd be much more concerned. But also joining us in the class of 03, she is one half of our very own Texas two-step, the one and only big sis, Megan Mills. What up, Megan? Hey, doing pretty good, actually. Good to hear it. You sound yeah. chipper. I am very chipper. I may, I may have had a glass of wine for this. I mean, one might even say it sounds like you've got spirit. See what I, I did there? Yes, I do. What happened? All right. All right. Good. So rounding out the rest of our Texas two-step, this podcast, chief field hockey and trivia correspondent from the class of 01, Dana Griffin. What up, Dana? Hey there, y'all. Looking, looking forward to talking about uh, the movie and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it. I'm going to bring it today. Now, if you guys haven't picked up on our, our puns thus far, Dana, what movie are we talking about this week, and where can we stream it? We are talking about Bring It On, the 2000 classic. Um, I rented it on Amazon, so I think that's everybody's best bet for where to see it. So, yeah, we're, we're starting with some pep. I've got spirit. We yes, are. I do. Yeah, I've got spirit, I guess. I'm a little bit tired. You know, the pandemic is getting me down, but I think I got some spirit from this movie, though, at least. What's it about, Dana? What, uh, what are we getting into here? We are getting into a uh, classic cheerleader movie um, where, you know, this team that's always been at the top is uh, doing really well, gets a new captain and uh, some new members and discovers that they've been doing stolen routines um, for many years, and uh, they get confronted by the people they've been stealing from, and have to come up with a new routine, and all this turmoil, 
and it's can this you know group get together and you know pull it pull it together in the end and be successful so it's really just about what it's like to be a cheerleader and find out everything's been a lie up until that point. <laughs> your whole life, <laughs> just chock full of lies, all falling apart right in your cultural appropriating face. Uh, Big Sis, give us a quick rundown of who's in the cast of this movie here. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think everyone should know that Kirsten Dunst is Torrin Shipman. I, th- I feel like this was her shining moment. Um, or at Absolutely. Least- my my remembrance of her shining moment um, as we were growing up. And then we have Eliza Dushku as Missy Pantone. Uh-huh. Um, Gabrielle Union was Isis, which I actually didn't know her name was Isis until I had to look up um, the cast members. Yeah, we'll get into the names of the Clovers here later on. Yeah. I've uh, got some thoughts. Then you have Jesse Bradford as Cliff Pantone, our male love interest. Claire Kramer as Courtney, um, bitch number one, in my opinion. And then Cole <laughs> Bilderback as Whitney, bitch number two. Um, you also have a couple other key members, which um, I'm not familiar with some of these actress, actors and actresses, but Tasania Jolson as Darcy, Rennie Bell as Casey, Nathan West as Jan, a male Jan. Huntley Ritter as Les. <laughs> And um, Big Red was played by Lindsay Sloan. Yeah, it played the hell out of that role. Yeah. Um, uh, Dana. Wait, I feel like we left out um, a poor man's James Vanderbeek, the guy who plays Aaron. Like, first thing I thought is oh, like James yeah. Cass. So whoever, I don't know that gentleman's name, but <laughs> that's what he looks like to Jerry me. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's, I, he's store brand, uh, James Vanderbeek. I kind of forgot. I mean, <laughs> it was easy to forget, let's just say. It was just like, he just had some facial expressions. Yeah. I was like, Dawson's Creek was really popular. We were going for a look. Couldn't get it. We went with this guy instead, is what I was thinking. Um, and I should mention. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, there, and I should mention there's a guy, Sparky Palastri, and his, he was played by Ian Roberts. Played admirably by oh, Ian Roberts. Yeah. So Dana, uh, when did you first see this movie and what made you want to pick it for the pod? So I first saw this movie when it came out in theaters. Um, and nice. how I know this is because I have my wallet from high school, which has all my movie stubs. Um, and I was going through them looking for some great teen and high school movies. And I saw this one and thought it would be perfect. Um, Listen, we, can't, we can't move forward without knowing what else is in these stubs. Oh, I, um, there's a lot of, like, it's really random stuff, like The Patriot, um, I think The oh. Cell is in there, Boys and Girls, um, American Pie, like, a lot mm. of, I think almost anything that was in the theater during the late 90s and early aughts, I have a stub for, so it's pretty much just anything and everything. Yeah, we need to start keeping a running tab, so we, so we can kind of tick them off as we go through them here, I think. Uh, now, you know, but specifically about like, what was it that of all of those stubs made this one jump out to you? I also think like cheerleading is having a moment right now. I don't know if you all watched here on Netflix. Of course we did. So it's definitely very like top of mind. And I was like, we have to go back to like my first, like kind of big moment with it was this movie. And then I got into watching cheerleading competitions on ESPN and it just meant a lot to me as like a former yeah. cheerleader. 
Now, if we're going to talk about cheer, I think it's important to point out uh, America's sweetheart, Jerry, went to our rival high school. Um, so yeah. they had that whole scene where they like go back and they're in Naperville and like talking about how he grew up and this like family that kind of, it seems sort of took him in. Um, that was in uh, White Eagle, which is a neighborhood that a lot of our friends lived in when we were, when we were younger. So oh. yeah, I very touching to see them go back into a Bonzi and like look around the building and that same artist, I think his name is like Tim Edders or whatever that did the big girl for a Bonzi. Yeah. Uh, we had one of those at our high school. It's, that was that was a lot of nostalgia for me, just kind of in that moment. Yeah, and pivoting off of that, I remember when I watched this movie, I felt like it was Nico and Mabonzi because the clovers yes. were in the um, green and yellow. They were kind of like in sort of, um, you know, the older part of town and some would say maybe on the other side of the tracks. And then Nikwa was this shiny new high school with, um, you know, like all of these super peppy people. And so I just felt like this was, it, it brought me back um, to kind of that high school rivalry. Yeah. And I mean, the other part about it, we should, we should own up here. Our high school was real, real white. Um, and Wabonzi was not. So Wabonzi had like the much more, diverse student body and if one of the two of us was going to have like a really dope hip-hop routine to anything it was going to be with Bonzi and right. not um we'll, we'll kind of get into their stolen routine in a little bit here but when I watched the uh the Toros perform that routine I'm like oh yeah the rhythm is a little bit off in a couple parts here and there's not any of like the the sort of real flavor on any of this I see what happened here this is some unseasoned chicken breast mm-hmm. now <clears throat> Megan, um, what were your memories of watching this when we were younger? Well, as we were talking about um, the segments and things like that, and you mentioned the music didn't really do it for you. I remember... It didn't really stick out to me. I'm just saying, I remember, um, you know, Hey Mickey, You're So Fine. I remember the track that um, she was like, that he was jamming out to. I don't even remember the name of the track. Um, when um, Torrance got the mixtape, like that was something I played over and over again. I can't remember if I had the soundtrack or just played all of the songs from the soundtrack. Um, but it, it feels like you would have, because like you wouldn't be able to download them all or anything at the time. You would have had to find them on the radio or something. Maybe get I a mean, burned you know, copy of the soundtrack. We could create mixtapes from recording things on the radio. So who that's knows? true. Sure. Who, who knows what really happened, but. I just remember those like key songs just being like such huge parts of my um, high school memories. Hmm. Now, uh, Dave, you were saying you haven't seen this in kind of a long time. Um, Did you have any memories of like the first time you saw it or anything? I remember the first time I saw it, I bought a, saved a bunch of money back when DVD players were expensive and uh, came with one free movie. And this was the free movie. Uh, this was your pick? Nice. No, no, no. It, it, there, the, the, the other choices were not great from, from what I recall, and this was the one that I picked because I knew that my sister would like it, and oh, I, was being, I was being considered. Not, I didn't hate it when I watched it the first time. I just remember watching it in my parents' basement. Um, yeah, uh, having a crush on Eliza Dushku. Uh, she was a yeah. really fantastic character. Yeah. Uh, Good memories, but yeah, that was almost 20 years ago. 
That's crazy. <laughs> We're very, very old. Yes. Uh, so it, obviously, Dana, this one held up for you. Um, Megan, um, in a more modern adult context, did this make the grade or need to be held back? You know what? This, a, a lot of the high school and college type um, movies that, I, that I've watched recently or I remember watching, this one actually, like, Kirsten Dunst actually acted like a high schooler. There were a lot she of. Did. There were a lot of people that actually acted and seemed like legit they could have been in high school and I could have been like in that moment seeing it in the hall versus, mm -hmm. you know, some contrived scenario that would never happen. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there were kind of a lot of interactions and a lot of sort of individual moments from a lot of these characters. I'm like, all right, this, this was not written by like a 45-year-old person who never met a teenager before. You know, it's kind of a lot of the dialogue in these movies are, this, this sounds pretty on point and some of the you know the physical acting that she did i think was also really on point there dave for you did this make the grade or should this have been held back no uh, it made the grade i mean there's the obvious tech the uh technological issues that arise when watching a movie 20 years afterwards like uh oh yeah uh, having a call when when she kept calling her uh, boyfriend at college and someone randomly yeah. pick up as the phone was in the hall whatever reason they they, they didn't have phones in their rooms and uh, when uh, her brother was playing Twisted Metal, and it just looks so terrible on the screen. Garbage. And um, what else? Oh, uh, uh, he made, uh, uh, I, I forgot his name. Uh, he made uh, Torrance a tape, and she listened to a tape. Oh, Cliff. And I'm like, oh, man, a tape. I remember when, when, when tape. we used to tapes, tapes back in the day. But, uh, yeah, that's... So good. Yeah, no, the not even quality, a CD, but like a legit tape. It, it, and it was the best quality tape of all time. He, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like studio hours were put into yeah. make, making that song sound good. So I was really impressed. Yeah, I the song blew me away because yeah. I mean, well, I think we'll get into this. We have a segment uh, coming up here, kind of on their whole romance. But I, yeah. I've got some deep thoughts on what happened with that whole <laughs> mixtape scenario. Uh, yeah. For me. This movie really did make the grades, though. Like, I, I, as a confession, some truth time here, I had never seen this movie before. Um, I had seen, like, little bits and pieces. For some reason, the Cliff and Torrance toothbrushing scene, I remember very vividly. Yeah, but, like, there wasn't a whole lot about this movie that I really recalled. And I, I know for a fact I'd never seen it, like, start to finish or anything. But this was fun. Like, it was... It was a fun movie. I think um, a lot of the acting was fun. I think legitimately the shooting scenes were like interesting to watch. Um, yeah, well, we had a good time talking about this, or watching this one. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into this recap. Where do you want to start off, Dana? Um, I will say, you know, it's lame to be like, let's start at the beginning. But I think that opening <laughs> montage is so good. Um, oh my. And I think it's something like we all would like quote. There's also, I will say, I don't think I mentioned this before. My friends and I would quote this a lot in high school and do some of the routines during mm. the cross practice. Any chance oh, not? Um, but that opening one where it's like, I'm a cheer cheerleader, roll call. And like everybody <laughs> <laughs> introduces themselves. It's so perfect. But even as I was like watching it as an adult, I was like, is this real? Because these lyrics are insane. And then. Yeah. 
It's... Yeah, in my notes. So again, having never seen this before, in my notes, I'm like, I was starting with a cheerleading thing that's a little bit on point, and we're gonna introduce the characters. And oh, oh, this is a raunchy cheer you're doing. Like this was. And I remember hearing this, like parts of this when I was in college. Um, I went to Iowa and Greek life isn't big there, but it is loud. And so I feel like a lot of the sororities that I would see like around town would do parts of this cheer. And I'm like, what What are you saying? I'm just so thrown by all of this. Yeah. So I, I think it sets like an interesting tone. Then you like realize it's a dream, which is great. Or I don't know. I'm like, ooh, that could have been an interesting way to go with it. But that definitely like kind of gets you right in the spirit. So definitely wanted to, to, you know, mention that. I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts about the opening, but it is memorable and kind of gets you in the mind frame of what we're about, what you're about to watch. I mean that when, she, you know, she realizes that it looks like her uniform fell off. That's like a huge meme still. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm not up on my memes. I gotta, gotta check that one out. Just from the back. My gift game is tight, but. um so yeah i thought that was interesting um and then who when i think they like finally have their first practice and they find out torrance is going to be captain they do a lot of like she puts the itch and bitch and she puts the this and i that kind of got a little too far (laughs) yeah it was it was a lot of a lot of um i feel like they were going for a lot of very quotable lines and you mentioned, you know, you and your friends used to quote this all the time back in the day. I, I wonder if that's a thing that kids still do. Because, like, so my wife teaches a seventh grade math. And so she's around, you know, teenage kids all the time. I don't think that they watch the same movie over and over like we did. You know, yeah. So at this point, I, I kind of wonder. I don't, because, I mean, why would you? You have Netflix. Right. Like, we watch the same stuff because we only had 30 or 40 movies to choose from at best. And, you know, I like this one. So let's keep on watching it over and over again. I wonder if kids still quote lines like that. I don't know. Yeah, Not around teenagers as much as I used to be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not around anyone. That's probably for the best. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen a person in a long time, guys. Oh, man. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so what else did uh, caught your eye in the kind of the uh, the big overall topics for you? So I guess like it's a recurring question that we will, it'll help us like talk about other scenes as well. But um, as someone who used to be a coach and has had to chaperone teenagers, it just kept popping up to me is where's the coach? Yeah, Where- not a one. <laughs> and not you see it at like the first nobody. Yeah, not no one. Like it's always Kirsten Dunst, which I get it. It's a teen movie. Adults are terrible. It has to all always be the kids doing everything. But like, a a, a child breaks their leg at practice, and not yeah. an adult to be found anywhere. I mean, she could have died. She fell from way high up. Yeah, yeah. she had to have her neck her, her she had to have her neck stabilized. Yeah, and I mean, as we talked about, all of us having seen Sheer, like we've seen this happen to somebody before. Like that's a serious injury. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just yeah, and keeps happening. These random yeah, things. I had the same thought that there's no adults anywhere, not only at uh, Rancho Carne, but also over at East Compton, they don't have a coach. They have no faculty supervision whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. We did see, there's a scene where they go to regionals and it just kind of like, for me, I loved this moment because it shows you, they don't really have clicks in this movie so much, but they showed you kind of every different kind of 
like archetype of a cheerleading team you could imagine. Yeah. And a lot of those teams had coaches. So there was like one team that seemed like they were just the embodiment of like precision, like all their shit just seems super tight. Um, there was another team that was all praying together and like a team that seemed like it was just kind of super in their head because they were all going through the routine sort of mentally. And like they all had coaches milling around with them. There was nobody here for any either of these teams. Yeah, not a not a parent or well, I guess we had saw <laughs> Torrance's parents, but they seemed so uninterested in this really, you know, important thing in her life. But yeah, there's like and I get you know, it does drive the conflict, the fact that everything falls on Torrance. But yeah, it was like, right. where's the coach? Where's the adults? Um, yeah. So that that just kept being a recurring question, recurring question for me. Um yeah, so I thought about that a lot. It's also in the tryout scenes, which we I don't should know. dig into that a little. I don't, what was that? <laughs> we should address yeah. what happened. In Have that any scene. of you ever done a tryout where there's like three people sitting in front, and then you just try out, or is that like a movie thing? No. Dave, we both have. We I both have. did this. <laughs> Dave, um, if you remember, so you're going to blow your mind right fucking now. The uh, black box is going to, yeah. I'm going to set the scene here. We're in the black box at Niqua, which was a okay. teeny tiny little closet of a room, all painted black. Uh-huh. You and I, on at least one occasion, probably two, auditioned for uh, the variety show in that room in front of a panel of like three people. Wow. Yeah. That's a, I, okay. I, me, I, I had corrected. a break dance with like five other dudes in front of three people at like a little, at a table together. We had like a little sad boom box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had the we auditioned that way. Um, yeah, Wait, for sure, you, it was in the black box, and I. Were you given like something to like some sort of prompts? Like I feel like for a cheerleading thing, because I've done this a couple times, they at least like give you a routine to show, to like have you see if you can do it. For just for like twenty kids to just come in and wild out in front of the whole <laughs> cheerleading squad seemed was so bananas to me. Yeah, no, see, we didn't have a prompt or anything. For us, it was just like, and I, my wife does this now at her middle school where she's one of the like audition judges for their variety show. They basically don't want every student who wants to do something to be able to do something because the show's going to be nine hours long and like seven hours of it is going to be pretty bad stuff because a lot of kids aren't like self-conscious or self-aware enough to know that they're not like really great at this thing they like doing. And so for the variety show at Niqua, it was like, we, so, oh boy. Okay, so for a long time in my life, I was a, a break dancer. I was a b-boy. And this was like 10 years of my life that I was very serious about this and like went to a lot of battles. And like, I, it was a big part of my life for a while there. And so for us, it was like, we need to see you guys come in and perform for like, you know, three to five minutes just kind of in, don't, don't do your whole performance for the show. Just like, we'll see if you can actually dance. And so we came out and I remember we were in my garage for weeks practicing for this anyway, where it's like, here's the, okay, we're going to do this and transition to this way. And this, like, it was a very big thing for us. Um, so yeah, we didn't have a prompt or anything, but it was just like, come in and do whatever it is you're supposed to do. I would assume that Dave's band, uh, Stomp Aberdeen probably had like a song you guys played and, I, I'm curious now which kids you went to high school with that tried out and didn't make it. Yeah. I, don't know, I see it for a variety show that makes sense, but I like, this was like an infuriating point for me. Cause like you just wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't do that yeah. or something I mean, like cheerleading or dance. Like, yeah. 
Right. I, yeah, I was on the dance team, multiple, multiple dance teams, and there would be no way that they wouldn't give you a routine to like have to do. Like you did still have to like go up in front of a panel and you still did have to do like your skills separately. Um, and you did have to improvise, improvise for part, like part of it. Um, but there was like a core so they could judge you across of it. Also, it was a little bit like terrifying that everyone was so bad. <laughs> like, Oh my God. What happened? Like, we set up that this team is like the balls at cheerleading. They're going for their sixth national championship. Why did any of these people think that they might belong on this team? <laughs> any of them. Like there's there's the guy who's pop locking and like his popping is is not bad. Like he, he looks dope because he, of how he's he was dressed. really good. He was really he good. was good. It's <laughs> just impressed. like he's dressed a little bit silly, but like okay, he's he knows what he's doing, but that's not cheerleading. There's a guy that yeah. came in and did what was that? Give my regards to Broadway. He thought <laughs> he was trying up for Pippin. Uh, there was one girl who just stripped. Yes, <laughs> she just I put on cherry pie. I totally <laughs> forgot about that one. Yeah. Oh my I wrote God. that down. That was insane. Like, it was yeah. fun and funny, but, like, so weird. So out of, yeah. Because you're like, yeah, this is the, one of the best cheerleading squads in the country. And yes. these, this is all they have to choose from? It was, They yeah. are the greatest self-taught cheerleading squad in the history of cheerleading squads. And, like, the, she, a lot of them kind of threw me. The stripper was a lot. But then also, there was this poor girl who just couldn't get through ready okay. And, like, I, she, first of all, I thought she was cute as bug's teeth. Like, she was, that actress was really adorable in that role. But, like, you can't, you have nothing. Your ready okay is fine. She was, like, a nervous wreck. Yeah, it was, I think they just wanted to, like, let's get more random teenagers in there. It was a real weird tryout, but that's where we get Elijah Dish Dishku as Missy. Oh, my God. The mm -hmm. dark-haired girl with l white girl dreads, which I think Charlize Theron stole for uh, Fate of the Furious when she was Oh, cyber. legit. Yeah, I think yeah. that's her. Her hair, it was just about to dread. It wasn't there yet, but it yeah. was like flirting on the edge. Yeah, so that's where we oh meet Missy, who brings in this whole other dynamic and, you know, apparently is a hardcore gymnast, but still does high school sports somehow. I don't. Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, we went to high school with, like, a couple of very serious, like, we're not regular athletes, like, we're the next level athlete. Mm -hmm. um, I, we went to high school with Evan Lysacek, who won a gold medal in figure skating. Um, I forget which Olympics that was, like, maybe Nagano? Or no, it wasn't Nagano. Um, Torino, perhaps? But he he was never at school. Like, he, was, he would come yeah. for, like, three classes a day or four classes a day and then be gone. Yeah. You don't, you don't just, like, get to, you know – this team is apparently very legit and yeah, I, yeah, that did not check out for me. Well, yeah. what's, what's kind of funny as an aside is, um, I was in choir with Evan and so he did make it to choir, but then, <laughs> but then after that. Yeah. I saw him at lunch often. Like we, um, we weren't, we were never like good friends or anything, but I had a, a friend that was a mutual friend of his that I ate lunch with every once in a while freshman year. I remember I would be like, oh, I, I know he's really good at whatever it is that he's gone for all the time, but 
yeah, he was he was very serious about it. That's that's kind of how you have to be, I feel like, if you're that good at whatever it is you're doing at that age. Yeah, so that's why I just thought it was interesting that she's a hardcore gymnast, and it's just mad that there's not a high school gymnast. Because, well, at least in my high school, the gymnastics team was terrible. So that's my boss. We had one. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, but we needed Missy, because she's the one that lets us know the routines are stolen. So yes. Yeah, that's the big the reveal. Yeah, big reveal. Um, because Missy and her brother Cliff, who is the love interest, I don't know. I don't know if we've given enough time to Cliff, but honestly, who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> because they're from LA. You're not a Cliff fan. I. It's uh, looking back on it, I think I might have had a crush on him, but he's so like, he's so blah. Yeah. Yes. I was like, what did Corin see in him? Yes. Yeah. There's just that he's not, you know, fake James Vanderbeek. Like Aaron, yeah. I just Pro- that's probably ex- that's exactly it. He's the exact opposite, right? He and, is, and, and, and but the new kid's always mysterious. Well, that is true. He did have he did have that new kid thing where you can start from scratch and kind of remake yourself. And he definitely tried to do that, uh, yeah. walking in in a Clash T-shirt and some chucks. Uh, mm. I looked at that scene. He was the only kid in that whole class wearing a graphic T-shirt. Like every other kid was in like. J. Crew essentials like a, a solid colored long sleeve, like a solid color sweater, and he was the only kid in a t in a t shirt with like a graphic on it. But the kid is cocky, like he yeah, he didn't even seem fun. Like he makes fun of cheerleading all the time. Like there's that scene where he shows up at their football game, like just to judge his sister. He's like negging Torrance. Maybe that's why. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. a mystery fan. That guy who had that horrible show and that's oh my god who could forget <laughs> but maybe that pickup like, artist yes the pickup artist but you know both of the pantones are punk rock kids i guess is what we're meant to believe um yes. even though like to me i originally i i didn't remember it was la that they were from but obviously they have to be so we can meet the um clovers from east compton but i definitely mm-hmm. been, like i was getting a vibe of, like i'm from new york city would have been a better Yes. Thing to fit, but we obviously needed to have that connection to the Clovers. Yeah. So with them, so my whole family is from LA. Uh, my brother lives out there. My parents live out there right now. That is not what LA punks are like. <laughs> like that, it, LA punks are like rancid and stuff. Like they're fun. Neither mm. one of them seem to be that fun. They seem kind of like brooding and a little bit like I'm antisocial because I'm punk. Like it doesn't seem like a fun kind of a. I wouldn't want to party with either of them. First. Yeah. Definitely not, but um, that's how we learn. Um, Missy sits at a practice, doesn't even look like she's ready to practice, uh, nope. is sitting there looking bored while they're doing their cheer. She runs away because, <laughs> well, we <laughs> runs away, which was like, you couldn't have just gone to get it's off. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird thing, but it's because the, she actually doesn't even explain. They just get in a car and drive away. Like, she calls her a sad ass liar, and then, like, that's it. And then they mm-hmm. drive three and a half, four hours from San Diego to LA to East Compton, of all places in the world. To you know, when I why. saw that sign, when I saw the sign for 102 miles, I'm like, get the fuck out. In high school, you're driving 102 miles, like, on, on a whim? Wednesday? Yeah. On a Wednesday. With no cell phone? Like, you're just going to take off? Again, where are the adults? Like this is nowhere to be found. Someone would stop them, but 
they go to East Compton, they see the Clovers. I wrote down in my notes, the ageless Gabrielle Union leading the Clovers and doing a much better version of the Barrett's Cold in Here cheer that was very popular with me and my friends in high school. Yeah, quick, quick. We got to take a a break for a segment here. Uh, I like to call this segment, What's Your Problem? Now, um, a lot of times in movies from this time, there is some problematic shit. The the cultural appropriation of this whole scene with the Clovers, the cheer from the Clovers, they're playing, I believe that's the 900 number is the song they're playing in the background. It's by uh, it's Ed Lover. The you, you hear that beat later on in Let Me Clear My Throat, which is like the, the cooler um, version of that song. Yeah. <laughs> So the idea that that this team that Torrance is part of pick that up and we're going to make a sign out of that already is ridiculous. But my thing is, and I want to see where you guys come in on this here, because I have planted my flag in the ground that I won't move. There is no reason other than the fact that we are not going to make a movie starring all black cheerleaders that the Clovers are not the stars of this movie. This is a sports movie, right? Any sports movie you can imagine, whether it is The Little Giants, whether it's The Big Green, Kicking and Screaming, which came later on, any of those movies from back in the day that are the Bad News Bears, for that matter, you don't ever focus on the rich team with all of the advantages and privileges that always wins everything, that winds up losing the championship at the end, spoiler alert. You focus on, like, the poor team that has to, like scrape and scrap for everything that they get and they have all the talent and they're so creative but they just don't have a chance and at the end they overcome it all and they win the championship why in the fuck are the toros the focus of this movie um because kirsten Dunst needed a movie to do i don't i she did that yeah um, maybe in one of the many spin-offs or sequels to this, they flipped that script. I don't know. I've never watched any of the uh, Bring It On cinematic universe. This is where I stopped, like, at this one. Well, but, yeah, there are a lot of them. That, that is a fair point. That, yeah. That would have been a more interesting, maybe it'd be like a darker, grittier remake. We should, yeah. we should pitch this. We should pitch this to somebody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because this is like, this is Karate Kid if you follow the Cobra Kai. <laughs> like, they, I don't understand why this is our focus. Mm-hmm. Megan, am I, am, I, am I crazy here? Or Dana and I kind of all alone on an island? I mean, okay, so think back to like when this was made. I feel like they had to do, they wanted to like show the contrast and show that there was like, I, like I don't know. Like if 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 the Clovers were the the key team, they wouldn't have had their routine stolen from them, and they wouldn't have had to like go through all of this kind of. No, no, you still have. You still have the the routine still gets stolen. That's what the rich privileged team always does in this movie. <laughs> like they always they always figure out your stuff. Um, that would be like in the Waterboy when Mr. Coach Klein lost his notes. Like mm. he lost his playbook and. Yeah, they kind of freestyle the whole new thing. I just, it was a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. I had a good time. But the whole time, just like, so our focus is on the rich team in this movie. Like, you always see the focus on, like, the hard scrabble 
you know, kind of have to claw your way up. And the Clovers, there was a moment where I, I was keeping track. 45 minutes in, they're on screen for a minute and 20 seconds of the movie. Like they are, they're only really there kind of at the end and like two or three other scenes kind of sprinkled throughout. But really, they are very seldom in this movie. I mean, I don't, I don't really have a good answer to that other than Kirsten Dunst needed a movie. Yeah, and I mean, Gabrielle Union was having a moment anyway because she was already in, I think she was in She's All That. And mm, then yeah. um, there was one other that she was in right after this too. 10 Things I Hate About You? Yes. But that was before, I don't know. She I, was in 10 Things I Hate About You as well. That was, it was, she had three kind of right in a row, two ninety nine, one in 2000. So this was kind of right in the middle of those. So I mean, she only, didn't need the role as bad. The only thing I can think of is... If you went to the gritty version, it would have been more of a, I think, dramatic, like heartstrings pulling movie. And I don't think that that's what the people who are making this movie wanted it to be. That's fair. It would, because even, even like the, the less serious versions of that movie, think about like um, You Got Served is a movie that's basically the same thing as that, where it's like a hard scrabble team that has to fight for everything. Even that, you have to have some like, we're pulling at your heartstrings because we're really overcoming that kind of moment. And this movie did not feel like giving us that at all. No, like I think they just wanted it to be like fun and like literally mindless and low stakes. Yeah. Very, and like bubblegum candy. Very low stakes. Yeah. Though I'm like picturing this other movie. I can, I can like see it. Like Kirsten Dunn. Yeah. I think she can do it. I think guys, we have, we have a, million dollar idea. I think. Should we get a script going? We should. Um, but it, we should make sure this hasn't happened in the rest of the Bring It On cinematic universe and just Absolutely. our faces. Um, but yeah, no, I think it is, it's a compelling thought and I think it is just like, we needed low stakes and it's the only real conflict is that Kirsten Dunst is the captain, no one really believes in her, she finds out that everything's, you know, the whole team's been a lie up until this point. And it's like, what can she do? So it's very like, we're going to focus and put this like one girl who seems like she has everything going for her. But like, what does she do when this one thing falls apart? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, it was, it goes with um, like Clueless, Legally Blonde, 10 Things, like all of these movies are about these bubbly, like heroine characters who... Yeah, who have this like thing that they're like super passionate about and everything is just like so happy-go-lucky and dancing around and like bright colors and like all this stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think it was like a, a sign of the times for whatever reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while we're talking about problematic stuff, uh, there's two other things that we can't mm-hmm. really avoid. The first, the first is... Uh, this sports announcer MC guy for yeah. ESPN2, The Deuce, because back then they were still calling it The Deuce. Um, he says something uh, at the opening of the broadcast when we get to nationals near the end here that I think deserves some attention. Dana, what did he say? Well, he's letting setting the scene for everybody about what nationals is about. He makes a point of saying that Daytona's been overrun by teenage cheerleaders um that i think he says like he uh, girls wouldn't talk to him in high school but if there's any sports with short skirts are okay by me and i was just like okay there it is you are (laughs) you're talking about teenage 
he doesn't say girls because there are boys there as well, but just he kind of was like well, these salivating. Are the ch- it was these really are children. Yeah, I think I had to pause it and rewind it. I'm like, did he? I want to make sure he said teenage. Definitely did. And then was like, they can come by me anytime. And I was just like, oh, oh boy. Pretty sure. Yeah, I was like, what are we? What are we? No. And I, I'm first of all, I'm happy that wasn't a real ESPN two the Deuce personality because like that would your career is over if it happens in 2020. (laughs) Well, I think, but it goes back to that the whole kind of vibe of these types of movies at the time. Like everything was just like over the top and almost just like one step into the, wait, why? Like, why are we going there? (laughs) (laughs) But why though? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was, it it threw me. um, But if on the scale of problematic things, that is relatively low. Then we have the, cultural appropriation and weird focus of the movie on the very top of that a mile up in the clouds here is all of the homophobia just like ripping and running through this movie um it was constant i would say even yeah yeah i think i had to stop taking note of it because it would have taken up all of my notes but yeah it's and i know like that is something that i think male cheerleaders have to deal with but they were directing it towards everyone like even the everyone um, yeah, and it was, yeah, it was, I, you know, or I guess early aughts, think about 20 years ago, we just weren't as, uh, PC aware, but yeah, that was definitely, it's always jarring to watch older movies and just be like, oh, that was okay. Not that long yeah. ago. Yeah. I, I was trying to keep track here. Um, in about a 90 minute movie, I want to say there's like 14 or 15 just full on homophobic slurs. <laughs> Yeah. Just just kind of sprinkled throughout. Um, like even have uh there's a there's a part where it's it's like thrown around in like a casual way where like Eliza Dushku was like, Oh, so you guys are gay and also you're gay. And I'm like and he's like, Yup, and I'm like, Well, hold on a minute. Like <laughs> if that happens now, it's okay, we gotta pull the car over real quick. Let me explain to you why what you just said is not okay. Um and why like we're friends and I get it, but like Next time, don't don't say that in front of me because like I don't like it. Like you don't. Shocking that it was all just so natural and like ever present throughout this movie. Yeah, I feel like um, these the the time that these movies are coming out, people are in in one movie feeling like they're addressing these kind of issues in both a positive and also like a slur way. Like yes. if you think about it, um, I can't remember. I think it was like, um, so Jan, right? Yeah, wasn't the, the not Jan cheerleader. Yeah. Well, Jan wasn't gay. Was his friend no, was, Jan was not gay. Right. Wes? Wes, yeah. Wes, yes. Wes. Um, and so they're like saying you can be a cheerleader and not be gay and you can be friends with a gay cheerleader and everyone's fine. And they're actually like kind of cool. And, you know, they showed how they were more cool than the, you know, the football players who are the typical cool, you know, guys. But then in the mm-hmm. same, like mm-hmm. in the next sentence, they're using the F word. Um, left and right. Left and right. And in ways that are like, if, if anyone said that this in this day and age to anyone, you'd be like, um, get out. 
and so what did you just say you just like get out like that's not appropriate yeah um well and really and really of those two of jan and les jan is like the one that's got the bigger issue because he's over here putting his thumb in courtney's butt with no consent all the time oh yeah that's a whole nother separate conversation same car ride (laughs) that that and eliza dushku over your throat on gaysler's in the same car ride yeah Mm. yeah whoof goodness gracious it was a a rough car ride (laughs) you know i think you know they were trying to do a lot of different messages and sometimes things get muddled um i don't think this is going to be the only movie that we're going to talk about this which is Oh, heavens no. I no, I think this is going to come up in virtually every movie that we go through because that just was the culture at the time. Like it's it's weird and gross looking back now to think about how recent that was, but like yeah, that was a, reg- a very regular thing at the time. Any other problematic things? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I kind of feel like uh Torrance's little brother is a future sexual predator. Oh yeah. Um, I think that's for sure in his future. Um, but that's, that's kind of it for me. I just think that her little brother was a complete piece of shit. Like as a little brother, I was, I felt personally attacked by the portrayal of little brothers in that role. He's, I mean, I, his taste in video games is fine. Twisted metal was a fine game. He also has a, a game boy color with a light on it at one point. Um, but yeah, just everything about him. He farts on her as a joke <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Hilarious. He shows up. I mean, <laughs> Classic little brother. Like why I loved honestly this movie, I think, <laughs> over like some of the other ones we probably are gonna talk about is like he literally acted like a whatever, thirteen year old. Is that do you think how old he was? Um yeah, well, probably like eleven, twelve, somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe thirteen. And she literally acted like his older sister like hitting him and like being like, ew, gross, you know, like, um, versus the other brother sister dynamics, I think of some of the other movies that we'll probably see, like, are just not that real. Like those are like real things where I'm like, yes, that actually happens with like a 12 year old and a 17 year old. Is that what Sean was like at that age? No, he, but he, thank God. I mean, he wasn't that, you know, douchey, but he, it was like the, it was like, the same level of brother sister interaction because we being five years apart when you're growing up is like ages, you know, that's a big gap. Yeah. It's a huge gap. And so we didn't become close until like after he graduated high school. Um, but I, I could relate, I guess, to that kind of interaction. Not exactly, but gotcha. yeah. Um, just thinking of other things. Um, once they obviously, Torrance being the great person that she is, once she knows that, uh, you know, the routine is stolen, she thinks they need to get a new one, there's disagreement, but because she thinks they need to get a new one, we are introduced to the amazing Sparky Pilastri, who has another amazing entrance in this movie, um, and is quite a whack job, but I just thought we, we have to spend some time on Sparky and his spirit figure. We really do. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, Sparky was quite something to see. Um, the spirit finger things, that's another scene that I do remember, so I don't know if I saw that, or that was just like such a part of our culture for a while there, but Dave, what were your thoughts on um, Sparky here, top to bottom? 
Uh, just a classic asshole choreographer, uh, abusive. Um, <laughs> does a, a, a lot of hilarious things, but his dependence on uh, Spirit Finger should have been a red flag uh, that he didn't really know. <laughs> That, that he really didn't well, know what he was doing. Uh, he, he his dependence on spirit uh, fingers and probably some kind of speed. He has like a handful of pills at one. Oh, that? No, he just he drinks like half. Yeah, he takes down like half a bottle of just random pills. And uh, yeah, he just says just to keep himself going. Uh, but uh, yeah, weird, uh, just, a, just, just a weird guy. Nice, uh, nice goatee, though. Uh, big, Solid big Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah, Ian Roberts is a really... Funny guy. He's one of the founding members of Upright Citizens Brigade. You guys ever yep. watched that, that show back in the day? And he was a good choice. Uh, pretty much any improv actor, because I'm sure a lot of this, some of it was scripted, but some of it was like, let's just see where this goes. And then yeah, I feel like what got, and it was pretty funny. I feel like there's like a 20 minute version of his scene somewhere on the floor, where it's Certainly. just like Absolutely. he took so many different takes, he did so many things. I want to say Amy Poehler was uh, UCB, I think, too. Yep, she was. She was one of the founding members as well. Yeah. 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 He I was, I liked him a lot. As a, um, as a former dancer for like 18 years of my life, I had a lot of choreographers that I worked with. And what I loved about him was he was like basically every stereotype, every terrible <laughs> choreographer, and also every like realistic choreographer that I've like ever worked with all into one. And so like the spirit fingers thing was like, um, obviously like a making fun, you know, and, and just like going over the top, but you had choreographers who literally like made you do these like signature moves and like continue doing them. And then the fact that he like, just, I mean, even watching the day, like I, I really wish to your point that we could have seen his full routine that he choreographed because it yeah. was just so bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. But the fact that they thought it was good, I'm, that, I mean, that, that was problematic for me. Yeah. Also, I didn't get that. I, the, the, okay, 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 okay. So we don't, they have no coach. Got that. But these girls and handful of guys have been cheerleading at a very high level for a very long time. Why in the hell would they think this is a winning routine? Like, sure, Aaron has his guy on speed dial and said, call this guy up, he's great, whatever, he won nationals last year. But, like, the, the way that the crowd didn't react at all to their performance, I'm like, well, how did you guys not realize this is bad cheerleading? Well, they were probably pretty desperate after what had happened. They're like, we've been living a lie for a long time. We, but, we, like, we are, but we are, the captain of, like, a, a national winning cheerleading team even if, you've never had to, even if you've never had to like choreograph a routine for that, like you you choreograph a ton of routines. Like I choreographed a ton of routines and I wasn't a nationally winning, you know, team member. And okay. so yeah. like yeah. just choreograph your own routine. Yeah. You've been on the team long enough, I'm assuming, cool. that you could just start borrowing from other like We'll start with this, and then this move would lead to that move. Right. Yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah. But then we wouldn't have gotten Sparky. So. Would, and, and that leads to the next big thing of how dare Sparky sell his routine to two different cheerleading <laughs> squads. Eight different cheerleading squads. Oh, yeah, that's right. Eight different two at this regionals. Yes, mm -hmm. that, is, that is true. And again, this is that moment of when they find out at regionals because 
the Mr. UCA regional needs to talk to Torrance about the fact that they <laughs> not again, not a coach, not an adult. Torrance. Some kid. Some oh. kid and go, it's okay, you're not disqualified, you can still go to nationals. But yeah, it was yeah. I think, you know Also please shop at Clears. <laughs> Obviously. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize that that was that sponsorship of Claire's so much in that movie. It was everywhere. Yeah. This movie is very mall focused. Um yeah. the fashions were from wet seal and contempo casual a hundred percent. They let them they were, closet. Uh and I wanna say Eliza Dushku's rub here for good luck Buddha shirt. I think that's like an old Navy thing, I want to say, because that was a big thing we were in, in high school. I don't think girls usually wore them, so it was like a cutoff, so it was rub here on the boobs. Yeah. But that was definitely a thing that, yeah, that, that took me back to a certain time when we're just going to put Buddha on a shirt with rub here, and that's what's hot in these streets. I miss retail back in the day. <laughs> there, were so, there were so many great stores, man, so many great stores. Uh, yeah. And, and most of them are all gone. Yeah, I most know. Crooks and I, I think, went to the mall several times together. Oh, my God. Listen, I lived at the fucking mall. It was, I, know. I used to go with uh, Eric Bramwell all the time. And, yeah, and we would go to, uh, there was a store called uh, Anchor Blue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I got, so I got a lot of my graphic tees from Anchor Blue. Um, we used to have this joke that you would find a great shirt at Anchor Blue I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear this. It's going to be a great fucking shirt. And then somewhere on the shirt, the words, these nuts are going to appear. And it's just like, the shirt's great. Oh, look, there's a little tiny one-inch tall squirrel on the back grabbing his dick saying, these nuts. Well, I can't wear it now. Mm. Yeah, that was always our first stop was Anchor Blue. Mm. We for sure went to the mall together at least 30 or 40 times a day. Yeah. But that's where teenagers live. Like, that's their natural habitat. And I think they wanted us to feel comfortable with these teenagers by, like, <laughs> things we see at the mall all the time. A um, lot of bright colors, a lot of um, midri- midriff showing, um, strapless things, stuff you would never be allowed to wear in high school. But these teens in Southern California can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. Listen, while we're on the topic, uh, let's hop into a segment that we like to call Frosted Tips and Butterfly Clips. Uh, Dana, was there a specific outfit that kind of stuck out to you here? Oh, I, ow, it, they're, they're just like <laughs> too many. I will say one of the, uh, what did you call it, Bitch One, Megan, earlier of the Port <laughs> trio, um, when they're deciding what to do, I think if they should drop out or not, she is wearing like a bright pink, either skinny strap or uh like strapless tube top thing these horrible like sheen capri pants and like platform pink sandals it was and i think there's like a million clips in her hair it is a wild very late 90s look and yeah that one was it's hard to pick a, like a fave or one to, but that one i think it's the first one that burned into my um retinas i think <laughs> listen i'm gonna say it uh did they or did they not steal her entire look for cartoon lizzie mcguire because like what you just described the pink i think it's like a spaghetti strap shirt and the capris and the big dumb sandals and the million clips in the hair like i'm picturing the cartoon version of lizzie mcguire in that get up 
I am not familiar with this. So. Oh, I'm so young and dumb. <laughs> in my in my defense, my wife is like three years younger than me. We've watched a handful of episodes, and like that. If you guys do a Google search, or if you're if you were also a Disney kid at one point in time in your life, like me, you'll recognize what I'm talking about here. Uh, yeah, that was that was a a bold look. Um, the one that got me the most is in that same scene. It's what Torrance has on though. Uh, so there is a 0% chance that this outfit is going to pass any dress code. I remember at our high school, um, we were, I think it might've been just senior year, like the first week of school, they got very serious about dress code. And suddenly you'd see a lot of girls walking around in like gigantic shirts that say like rental across them because it was rental clothes from gym. If you like forgot to bring clothes for gym, it was like, I think it might've been like a dollar to rent clothes or some shit. Otherwise, you had to like sit out and not get credit for the for the class for the day. Um, but Torrance's getup would for sure have her in a big old rental shirt. She's got it's like a, a magenta halter top, but it can't be cut more than like an inch below her ribs. It's basically like a, a magenta kind of a sports bra that she has on. She's got like a black button up with white piping for modesty, I suppose. Her hair is crimped to within an inch of its life. And she's got like 50 trillion daisy clips all over her hair. Her jean skirt is like just below her butt cheeks. And I think this is something that um, we're going to encounter often because uh, kind of in preparation for talking about this podcast, we discussed that fashion was very different at the time. For a movie that's set in California in late summer or early fall, Torrance is so pale. She doesn't have any color on her. It, it throws me when I see it now. You know, she might just wear a lot of sunscreen and cares about her that skin. That one should. <laughs> I mean, listen, take care of your skin. And I know, big sis, if you, if you feel personally attacked, I'm sorry. You're, I mean, I'm very, you're a very fair-skinned girl. For everyone on this pod- podcast, um, I'm very pale. Let's just be honest. Yeah, we're kind of like a kind of like a gradient here from very, very light to I'm a, I'm a rich mahogany myself. But yeah, that <laughs> Torrance's, I just, I was shocked because I, I want to say Missy, Eliza Dushku is like relatively tan. Like she looks like she's outside a lot. And yeah, I guess, but you know what? Skincare is important. You don't want Torrance to get the melanoma. So mm. I, I get it. I get it. Now, uh, Megan, what look kind of jumped out to you the most? Yeah, well, I'm going to pivot off of um, your selection of Torrance. Um, and yes, I'm going to say like 90% of her outfits would have not passed the dress code. <laughs> Although, when you were at Orcasis or cheerleading or um, Palms practice, you could totally get oh, away. Rough. You could totally get away, yeah, with like pretty much anything. Like tiny, I'm surprised I didn't see more of those um, Sophie cheerleading shorts. Yeah, in the day. Like rolled up at the top. Yep. I mean, you, you did like, you know, the one role was like, okay, fine. But like for the practice, you know, and for gym class, you did like two or three roles. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, just maybe a sports bra sometimes or like super tight uh, tank top. But my, one of my favorite um, outfits, cause I feel like it was so um, reminiscent of the times was when Torrance's outfit went at the very beginning she was wearing this blue spaghetti strap top, a choker, which <laughs> everyone like 
chokers should not be worn ever. Um, but they were Seems worn, bad. Yeah, they were worn so much, and I had so many um, back in this time. And then she had kind of like the again the Courtney Love like super tight little um, hair rolls with uh, lots of like bobby pins and and other things in them. And I, I can't remember what she was wearing on the bottom, but just the whole look. And she it doesn't matter. Yeah, and Kristen Dunst looks a lot like um, one of our really good friends from high school. And I feel like she looked particularly like um, Rachel in this particular scene. Oh, she did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was Rachel's look, I feel like, top to bottom. Yeah. So, um, yep, yeah, that's, that's going to be my, my selection. I hear you. Dave, how about you? I'm still just enamored with uh, Sparky Palastri. Uh, <laughs> it was the perfect look. Obviously, he's wearing all black. Big, big fan of that. Uh, kind of beatnik type, but artsy. Uh, he has a deep V-neck, like too, almost too deep. It like goes halfway oh, it's down. Deep. It doesn't go like quite. It, it, it's not like navel deep, but it's pretty deep. Um, it's a capital but, V. Yeah, those those boots that tie in the back, that was kind of confusing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they were like shoe covers and they just made them look like boots when they weren't. I I was very I was very confused. Um and uh gave me kind of like a at first like a Chris Angel kind of vibe, wearing like all, oh, all yeah. black, oh, yeah. like 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 that. And it's just the common like artsy jerk sort of outfit I, I didn't really feel like thinking about it, so all black and uh I'll, I'll i'll put my creativity elsewhere that's why nice plain clothing man yeah he's his look again megan pointed out he's basically like a a mashup of almost every kind of choreographer character all he was missing was like the cane that he banged yeah. on the ground to keep the beat mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. and that look was artsy that that like you mentioned the cane that I had a ballet teacher that did that and it just like oh ooh, my god back, so we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna oh my it. god yeah I, <laughs> you got the chills <laughs> he was very mean to me so yes it I was like oh I almost forgot about Miss Topham and then he just brought it back man name and everything still <laughs> yeah it's right there I'm sorry for your past memories coming back it's okay it's okay I think <laughs> best to power forward in uh, <laughs> talking about bring it on um so we were talking about sparky and his double triple uh sex tuple cross i don't know if that's the correct um since he sold it to six different teams means yeah that they need to come up with a new routine um they get an automatic bid to nationals because they're the reigning champs but um Privilege. Yeah, it was lucky them yeah <laughs> <laughs> well 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 <laughs> Um, it was interesting, like, I think a lot of clothes we're talking about was about that pep talk where some people wanted to say no, which just seems crazy because I'm assuming they're all, a lot of them are seniors, so they would be giving up a year of eligibility just to, because they don't want to take the time to come up with a routine, which is what they should have done in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah, that blew my I'm, mind. So we had this whole thing where, like, Whitney and Courtney take over the team, and they're going to try to, like, wrestle captain away from or it's, there's no coach, the captain decides where they're going to perform. And their whole thing was like, let's take over the team so we can forfeit? Yeah. Very bizarre. Yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah, it was a, a, a weird move. Um, 
I'm guessing they felt they still had time and they were, if I can get in the psyche of Whitney and Courtney, um, maybe they didn't want to be embarrassed by trying to do it. I don't know. It's definitely a weird move. I'm glad Torrance was able to convince everybody to create a new routine in three weeks, which I think is key because I think they kept saying it's in like March or February, but in a lot of like the quick, um, the montage, because there has to be a montage. Um, of course, there's several. They say that they're going to use the football games as practice, which is what they should have been doing anyway. <laughs> um, but if like nationals is in March or February and they have three weeks to get ready, the football season is over. So that oh, I yeah. get still annoyed by little plot things like that. Mm. You're, you're oh. deep into basketball season by that point. Also, yeah. technically you would have had to, at least from a palm standpoint, <laughs> you would have had to actually submit your routine by that point. You have to say right. like you are um, doing X number of, you, you may not have to submit the whole routine, but you have to say what you're doing, like X number of like skills or, or whatever. Your elements have to be in there. Exactly. But really, and on that same topic, uh, so we understand that this competition is coming up at the end of the year here. They're going to be going to Florida for this whole thing. We see them in this montage do a lot of stuff that doesn't actually show up in the routine. Um, they talked about doing swing dancing, which you remember that at one point in time, swing dancing was like a popular thing. They, the they did that Seltzer. in the routine. Yeah. Did they do something? They did the swing? Work. Well, did they, did they do Fosse, Megan? They, I don't remember them doing Fosse. They did do swing <laughs> dancing. They did the Fosse. It was like, you know, you catch them under the knees and you swing them around okay fair but yeah they did a lot of focus on the fossey punches and then we didn't see any of that which did they do fossey punches i now i can't remember they did the movement before the punch not that i'm they, yeah they did they got they got the position right but then they didn't do the actual i'm nitpicking no i, I think that's fair um because that was also like a nitpick of mine that like I didn't realize we had to wait so long. I, don't, I didn't remember that we had to wait so long to actually see full good routines. Like it's in the last 10 minutes of the movie. So oh, you're deep in it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I thought there was more cheerleading in this. Um, but yeah, I feel like they spend a lot of time. Like I would have loved to see more of them trying to figure it out. I guess that's, they decided that's not interesting and it's better to spend time on the stupid love triangle with, Torrance and Aaron and, yeah. Cliff and you know, so. Which again blows my mind because like any good sports movie, like the montage is where you get all the character development, like the highs and lows and think about like cool runnings and stuff. Like a sports movie montage is where you go from like, we can't do it guys, we're never going to make it to, uh, uh, wait, we found something out. And then eventually mm -hmm. you get good with it. It was just like, it was very, very short. There was like a voiceover from Torrance giving her speech, kind of runs the whole thing. I'm like, I could have used more montage there and also like a twin montage of the Clovers like getting money together to go to nationals. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like they missed the Clovers. It wasn't about the clovers, though. We already went over that. I know. I know. I I keep a candle burning for Gabrielle. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was yeah. I feel like we we lost something there um, by not having the full root, like more on that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think 
great that they figured it out. And then we finally did get to see two great routines in the end. Um, we really did. Yeah. And I don't know. Is there anything else we want to discuss before we talk about the end? I mean, I think we kind of, we touched on a lot of it. Um, Megan, if you wanted to give a shout out to any like specific tracks um, on the soundtrack that kind of jumped out at you. I mean, I already said, hey, Mickey, the classic um, like cheerleading song, obviously. But I love the fact, well, I don't know if this is jumping too far the end, but I love the, the montage that they did during the credits. I don't think we do that enough Man. these days. I don't think we do that at all anymore. And yeah. watching it the whole time, I'm like, you guys spent a lot of time preparing for this. Like, yeah. this wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't just like bloopers like at the end of a Jackie Chan movie where he falls over a thousand times. Like this was like they put together a long choreographed number for this whole thing. It was I thought that was it was a lot of fun. I miss that. I, I need more of that in my life. Yeah, and then I'm gonna you know, I mean U G L Y. Uh-huh. I mean that's You got no alibi? <laughs> yeah. I mean that's just a great song. Um and I can't remember the name of the song um, from um, from his mixtape, but I remember that playing that over and over again. You know, we we should really quick jump into some of what happened with their romance here. Uh, this is a, a segment we like to call "Love at First Semester." Uh, we talked about how we don't get. Um, like why she's into him other than he's kind of the opposite of her boyfriend, Aaron. Um, but the scene of him like sad boying in front of her house with like flowers. And then he like basically shoves the flowers. out. was like, also made you a tape and like storms off. When he did that, I'm like, all right, I, when I was younger, I was King grand gesture for any girl that I liked. So of course making a mixtape is by no means foreign to me. When she put it in her boombox and we found out it was him and his band on this tape, I was like, oh, you, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're giving her music of you playing. And uh, Dave, you mentioned you were in a band. Uh, I was in a band for a number of years there. We both recorded at like probably the same person's basement before on their sure. equipment. How much time and how much effort do we think it would have taken for us in high school over at Chris Trot's basement to record something of like that quality? Well, you would have started, you probably would have started with uh, guitar and drums. And after that, you had bass. And then however long it takes to get vocals, I'd say at least a day, maybe, maybe two. And yeah. this quality, this quality was fantastic. This was a pro track. So this took yeah. time. And yeah. and that kind of explained me. It's like I, I, I took all this time, I took all this time to record the song <laughs> for you, and this is how you react, and you just come back with him, and blah 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 blah. And well, it, I, I I just remember that that they're like sixteen and seventeen years old, so that, <laughs> and that uh, of, of of course he's going to be dumb because everyone's dumb then, and he reacts like a child because he's still kind of a child. Um. Yeah, I probably would have reacted the same way, but I just... Well, I was it. I think to your guys' point, if it takes all that time and effort, he's new to San Diego, so he has no friends. He probably had to yeah. drive up to L.A., spend right. so much time making... So I think, 
I originally was like Cliff is being a child, but hearing how hard it would be to record a song. Takes <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Takes a lot of work. I, I mean, I remember being in Chris Trot's basement recording and it wasn't Bobby Lash because he was better than the rest of us. So it must have been, it felt like it could have been me. I wasn't that great at the time, but I remember going through like take after take after take, mm-hmm. trying to like time it right. And I feel like there was like one fill that kept on having like one note missed. And then you're coming in a little bit too early and you're not holding it. Like this was a process. And so knowing that he doesn't have a band here, he doesn't have any friends, as we said. So presumably that's him playing every instrument and doing the vocals and doing the recording. Like, buddy, find some other way to let this girl know if you like her. That's so much effort. I guess it worked. I mean, well, and she was into him. And I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to pivot back to the music because I, I wasn't quite done. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off on that one. Well, I mean, I guess we're still talking about music, but um, so I realized that a bunch of the songs, as we were talking, were by Black, B-L-A-Q-U-E. They were the cheerleaders on Clover. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And they have multiple songs in this movie, and it, there were a couple clips. Um, and then 50 Cent actually was um part of the bring it all to me remix that they played which yeah was he Listen. a thing in 2000 Oof. that like blows my mind a little bit he was this is his his first thing and so yeah this was early 50 cent for him yeah so this was like a whole i mean you were saying like oh you know the soundtrack didn't didn't do a lot for you but i think it was actually like a, a pretty big moment for some of these um artists yeah, I yeah, remember the yeah. song As If and being on TRL, like, a mm-hmm. lot. But I didn't know 50 Cent had been involved in any of the songs. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, you hear Bring It All to Me, the remix you don't hear nearly as often. Um, no. And if you guys watched Chappelle's show, they had a, a parody of, like, 50 Cent's origin story with uh, Chappelle playing the character Fisticuffs in Turn My Headphones Up. And so that would have been, like... I think that would have happened in like 01 when 50 Cent had like his VHS about how he got shot like nine times and still survived and came back. Like that's where his whole sort of legend came from. So to know that he was working on the Bring It On soundtrack a year prior to that, that is, <laughs> ah. I see. All right. We had to talk about it. <laughs> okay, Curtis. <laughs> uh, shame on me, man. That was a, yeah. <laughs> Should have been all over that. A feature's a feature. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta get your name out there, you know? Yeah, I mean, he didn't... I mean, Kendrick is on, is on the Bad Blood remix. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mm. 50 Cent didn't get big till 2003, so... Wow. some time, but... Yeah, yeah. I remember being um, in, like, the dressing room before our orchestra's performance, because I was also an orchestra's my senior year, and uh, hanging out with... Um, that would have been Hans and I think Dwight Alexander, because we didn't hang out. Brian Tower and uh, what was the, uh, Rabinda was his last name. They were like real dancers. And so they didn't, didn't want to hang out with us. No, they were being like in like the back room of the, we were the rabble. Listen, uh, I, I know. We, we needed but, some, some strong gentlemen to lift the ladies as part of the routine. 
Yes. Well, I did. I did lift, but I was in like the whole thing. I did run around soon. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was. I was in it all the way. I think Hans was as well. Ease on down the road was a real number that yeah, we yeah, did. That was a number. But and that yeah, was I can remember everyone. Being, was yeah, we were all in. I need to see this. This is yeah. amazing. I was in Too Darn Hot. We did Too Darn Hot. <laughs> remember that one? Ooh. Right. That was a fun time. But yeah, I can remember being in like the dressing room listening to, uh, I think it was like Wangster, like his first single. That would have been 03. So this was like a long time before he really became a thing. Yeah. yeah. Ah, I'll be damned. You, well, yeah, of course, and Magic Stick. Yeah. Now, uh, the, the very last thing, was that? We're digressing, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the very last thing I wanted to talk about. It's, it happens. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of that happening. <laughs> uh, to clarify, Megan, Dave, and I all went to the same high school. And so we, there's going to be a lot of, I think, names that get brought up and references that get made on like a regular basis here. Because we, Megan and I were very close friends at the time and like ran with very much the same crew of people. So if we digress, I, I think start a spreadsheet and get to know some of these characters. Um, pick out your favorites, pick out some villains. There's going to be some villains. And so things settle in for a, a bumpy ride through high school with uh, the three of us. Now, the, the last thing I wanted to touch on real quick here, because we mentioned that um, a number of the girls from Black were in the Clovers as well. Um, what do we make of the names that they gave the Clovers here? So Gabrielle Union is Isis, as we discussed. Uh, Natina Reed, who was also in Black and who was my favorite character in this whole movie, like the sidekick with all the attitude and the sass. Her name was Janelope, like mm. Penelope with a J. Yeah. And there is a girl on this cheerleading team whose name is LaFred. Yeah. Like I, I mentioned, like I'm from, I'm from California originally, and I've got cousins who have some pretty absurd kind of what were we thinking with these names? I've never in my life met either a Janelope or a LaFred. Oh. Um, I didn't know her name was Janelope. <laughs> Neither did I. I had to look it up. What? Oh, that just makes me sad. <laughs> that the writer Janelope. was like, we gotta, we gotta give these girls some crazy names. Well, well what's crazy yeah. about it? Because, you know, I do the creds. And so what's crazy about it is like, I don't even know that they said these names. And so they literally could have said either <laughs> Clover Girl One or, you know, like. Well, they, they said, they said LaFred, but, but it, she said it like it was an insult. Cause I think LaFred was like the one that wanted to get, there's a scene where they have, they get help from like a knockoff Oprah to help them afford to go to nationals. All right. Mm -hmm. And in that scene, um, Janelope is getting on the Fred because she wants to send her like a box of donuts because she's got a weight problem. Mm. And she's like, well, you're the one, LaFred. And I'm like, LaFred? What, what are we talking, LaFred? That's what we're going with here? That was, that was a lot that. of stomach. Yeah, but I, I didn't even catch that. But like literally though, they could have not even made these names be so bad. Yeah, they could have they given them any names or no names at all. Right. This is, yeah, this is a salacious crumb situation for all the Star Wars heads out there. Like, it's, you didn't have to give them a name at all. But yeah, I, Correct. some of those names, I'm just like, 2000, that's what we're doing, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. Salacious crumb. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> you got that one, Dave. Took it. It took me a minute. That's the little guy in the cantina, right? Yeah, the little, the little chattering guy by um. <laughs> and he makes this weird, weird yeah. noise. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't gave, have a name. They gave him a name. Cool. Yeah, they they gave him a name. I want to say they gave him a name just for the toy, because like they didn't credit him in the movie, because obviously there was an actor playing him. When the toys came out, they made a Salacious Crumb toy and like yeah. had his name on the toy, and that was the first time. Oh, moral of the story is I'm a big old dork. All right, guys. Um, one of the things that we like to do on this podcast, and we're going to keep on doing moving forward, is what we call the IMDb deep dive, where we kind of take a uh, a character who didn't have a huge role and uh, sort of dig into what the rest of their career was to find out that this was like the start of something big or kind of the peak of their whole career. So let's get into the IMDb deep dive. So this week, I wanted to talk about Bianca Kylik. Uh, Bianca Kylik played Carver, um, the girl who fell really hard and broke her leg and we see her very seldom after that there's like one scene of her cheering holding up a crutch um she's got a total of 33 acting credits which is a a pretty solid number this is only her fourth movie her fourth credit overall uh she was actually her first was coffee girl in 10 things i hate about you which i'm sure we're gonna get to at some point in this podcast probably not far from now um she has had a really successful career that I did not see coming because she's been in a whole lot of stuff I've never seen, but I'm very aware of. So she played Sarah Moyer in Halloween Resurrection, which was a really big role because she was the only survivor. So she was the final girl in that movie. Um, She was in eight episodes of Dawson's Creek Uh, in 2006. She was in both a movie and a TV show called Vanished. The movie and show are unrelated, played different roles in those two. In 07, was when things like really took off for her because she was one of the co-stars of a show called Rules of Engagement that was on the air from 07 to 2013. Uh, it's a CBS comedy. I know David Spade is in it. Um, my brother loved it. I was not a fan, but six years, a hundred episodes. So big thing for her for that whole such a time. Right after that ended, 2014, she became one of the co-stars of Undateable, uh, which I think was on Fox. She was in all 36 episodes. My brother also loves that show. But I mm. fucking hate Chris Delia. Like, I hate his fucking guts. I can't stand his voice. I will go off on him anytime that I see him. And he was one of the stars. So I never watched that show. Um, but most recently, she was in five episodes of a show called Legacies on the CW, which looks like some very sort of overdone young adult fiction kind of drama stuff. So a really, really nice and like steady career for her considering what a minor role she played in this movie. Um, I will speak to Legacies. It is a spinoff of a spinoff of the band. Oh, was I right about it? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. I I saw some pictures and I'm like, oh, this is, this is dark. Like the lighting is literally dark and everyone is like brooding. And I'm like, I see what they're doing with this, the CW. I see what's happening here. Yeah, it's a Vampire Diary spinoff, which I loved that show. So that good for her, and I'm gonna have to start watching yeah. that. Yeah, she's she's only in uh, five episodes, but it seems like she had like a, a character arc where she kind of came in and did her thing. All right, so, yeah, good for Bianca. I'm really happy for her. Now, this brings us to the end of our podcast, and just like the end of the school year, that means it's time to hand out some superlatives. 
Now, Torrance is the most likely to have a profile picture of her with an impoverished African child. Mm-hmm. Missy is most likely to go viral on American Ninja Warrior. I think that's for sure in her future. Uh, Isis is the most likely to still fit into her Clover's uniform at 45 years old. Word to Gabrielle Union. Yeah. Uh, There's like a handful of people who I'm pretty sure are vampires. Like she's on there. Pharrell hasn't aged in 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Angela Bassett looks like she looked in, uh, what was that? Waiting to Exhale. Like, yeah. So Isis will for sure wear that uniform at 45 years old on Instagram. Aaron is the most likely to mansplain something to his boss. Mm. Cliff is mm. most likely to attach his demo CD to his resume. Yeah. And Big Red, who we didn't really talk about, but was phenomenal in this movie, is most likely to plagiarize the dance for TikTok and not give credit to the originator. That's what she does. You That's know she does it. Yeah. You know she's all over that TikTok. Now, before we uh, wrap up here, um, did anybody else have any kind of final thoughts or anything we haven't touched on yet? I actually did some research on uh, cheerleading. I was Ooh. very uh, <laughs> after seeing that injury where she had to get her neck stabilized, she ended up breaking her leg. Turns out, uh, cheerleading carries the highest rate of catastrophic injury to female athletes in all of uh, sports. <laughs> kind of crazy catastrophic uh uh, 2.9 million female high school athletes in 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 the country only three percent of those are cheerleaders 65 percent of all catastrophic injuries are oh my god and because some even close and because some some of these schools don't consider them sports they have trouble say they get injured and disabled they have trouble getting coverage when, when it comes to a school's insurance policy, but, 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 but that's an entirely different thing. Cheerleading, it's a dangerous sport. I have a lot of respect for people who put themselves on the line like that. Absolutely. Holy shit. That's so many injuries. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. Not only did we see that girl break her leg, there was another girl here who was desperately in need of medical attention. Her nose mm. was basically blown yeah. off her face and she's missing a tooth. Highly broken shit. Highly broken. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's not going to heal right, man. You're getting thrown in the air and you're doing, you're doing like all these back handsprings and you have to do all of these things in repetition because you're training for like the ultimate thing. And I mean, that's why I stuck to dance instead of cheerleading because just dancing alone, you're kind of exhausted. And then you have to do all these like acrobatic stunts. And then if your body is tired or like not up to par, or if you do one thing that you're not like super focused, you can totally, um, you can totally like get injured. And even like just partner dancing, like I've gotten dropped in my head. I'm pretty sure by you crooks. No, it was not me. I'm sure it was. No, no. My partner for that dance was Erica Plum. Stop it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure who you were dancing with. Probably Dwight. <laughs> anyway, somebody dropped me on the head. On the head. I I believe that happened. That's yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm not surprised. And I mean, and that I think is the other part of this. Right. Yeah, you're counting on high school boys to like be on top of their shit. I was never. Okay, so that is the end of our podcast. 
if you guys like what you heard, pop on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and give us a five-star rating, leave a review. We really like that. If not, that means you, my good friend, are flying ignoramus. <laughs> Take it easy, millennials. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now